Cool. This is uh, the Dojo Talks talent episode <coughs> with international master Greg uh, Shahadi. Welcome, Greg, to the dojo. Good to have What's you. Up? Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, actually, the reason we're doing today's show is first and foremost, we have a really awesome announcement to make uh, about the U.S. chess school. Uh, this has been Greg's project for many years now. Uh, I actually attended a couple of sessions of the U.S. Chess School way back when that were really, really influential for me. Um, but uh, well, let me let me throw it to Greg. What's what's happening? What are we doing? What was happening is the U.S. Chess School online program is going to be partnering with Chess Dojo, and so from now on, starting on Tuesday, the classes will be live. I, I believe they're going to be live on the Chess Dojo channel, recorded. Um, so it's going to be super exciting. That's right. Now, actually, maybe we could uh, key everyone in real quick. Uh, I, I should start the timer uh, on the on the announcement. Um, <laughs> what is the U.S. Chess School like? What have you been doing uh, with it uh, previously, and what have you been doing with it specifically this year, given the the pandemic? Well, we've just spent the whole pandemic teaching kids not to play one d five against uh, e four. <laughs> I'm just joking because everyone in chat is talking about stuff like that. Um, so yeah, we, we, we created the program in 2006, January, I think it was. Um, and then with some great sponsorship by Dr. Jim Roberts and now like a lot of other people, um, you know, we've been able to have like four or five chess camps every year for like the top kids in the country. Usually we have them in New York, St. Louis, San Francisco, LA, Seattle, places like that. But of course with the pandemic, we couldn't do that. We had to cancel all our summer camps. It's like, what do we do? All these kids, all these talent, they're just sitting at home. Nowhere to study chess. No, <laughs> no, nobody. <laughs> well, obviously they had a lot of options, but we decided, hey, you know, let's, if there's never, you know, it's a great time to try an online version of the camp, uh, of the program. And we launched that sometime in April and it's been going super well. You know, we have, we're having like four to six classes every week. Um, one hour classes, one a day usually. Um, and we basically, we took a break a few weeks ago to kind of prepare for the transition that we're gonna join forces with the chess dojo. We need more senseis, you know, we need more. <laughs> yeah, I well, can't, I mean, it's a lot, of, it's been a lot of, um, it's a lot of organizing and stress, just doing it all on my own. And like kind of, I'm really happy to have some energetic people to be helping. Yeah, we're super excited to, to be helping out. So basically these classes, I mean, they were kind of like private uh, Zoom calls and, and they're gonna continue in the exact same way. I mean, the classes themselves are not gonna change. So folks will be able to see um, what the students are, are learning. Uh, I believe the US Chess School is open to basically any any juniors is that right is there any kind of special uh application process yeah there's a there's a link to apply should i post the link in the chat yeah post the link yeah actually let me um i might need to mod you real quick but uh one second yeah did we not there we go so it's basically it's not actually only for juniors you know like if some you know really strong adult player like you know some i am wants to be part of the classes and they're not like some crazy person or yeah i mean we're, we're, we do have a few players who are like in their 20s mm -hmm. you know they're strong or they're you know like robert perez is a good example he's like an fm good player yeah he's like 20, 
20 something. So we don't really, you know, basically the, you have to kind of like earn your way in somehow, like by being strong enough or young and strong or stuff like that. Is there any really kind like, of um, like, yeah, is there any kind of like rating requirement or any typical uh, thing you look at? We, I have this weird formula that I do where I take their age and their rating and like it spits out a number and if their number is high enough, I'll let them in. And if it's not, then maybe I'll let them in anyway if it's close. Um, and, you know, we try to give, um, you know, you know, we try to let like more, we try to make it diverse too. So like, you know, there's not as many women and girls in chess, so we are more likely to let them into the classes. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, basically, you know, if, if you're like eight years old, you can maybe get in if you're 1700, but if you're 18, you're gonna have to be a lot, a lot stronger, you know, usually like 22 plus, Right. So yeah, this is very exciting. Actually, I'll, I'll mention some of the coaches that are going to be on the, uh, the stream in, in uh, just a short while teaching classes. So we got uh, International Master Casa Corley coming up this Tuesday, he'll be teaching his class. Then we got newly minted Grandmaster Hans Niemann coming in uh, on Friday, uh, November 13. We'll post the schedule on Twitter so you guys can can check it out and, and see these classes ahead of time. Um, then we got Sam Shankland uh, coming up next week, uh, Grandmaster Magesh Panchanathan, Grandmaster Pontus Carlson, uh, Jesse will be teaching, we got GM uh, Johan Helstein will be teaching uh, some classes, well-known author, I'm a big fan of his books, uh, International Master Alex Ostrovsky, Grandmaster Romain Edouard, uh, GM Yaro Zerobuk, so just ton and ton of uh, fantastic players, and yeah, the, the streams are going to be on, on this channel. Uh, again, we'll post the link, uh, the schedule on Twitter, on our Discord, and it's going to be. Uh, I'm I'm very excited for it. It's going to be uh, a ton of, a ton of fun. Yeah, me too. And I see some questions being asked. Like the idea is, people will be able to watch. People will be able to chat in the Twitch stream. However, the coaches will only be communicating with the students. So the students will be able to send messages directly to the coaches with their answers, with their questions, and y'all will have the opportunity to watch that process. And we actually have a theme uh, for the first two months. Everyone's going to be pushing on like a very similar theme. And I want to kind of like keep doing that. Um, mm -hmm. Like, so we'll have little cycles where like the same topic is approached by many different coaches to kind of see how that looks like. So that's going to be fun too. Yeah. Do you want to mention cool. the theme for this first, this first oh, session? Yeah, the theme, the theme is I, I want the coaches to demonstrate a game where they lost, right? Or maybe it's like a draw where they really need to win. There's something bad that happened in their chess career, but that was instructive. And then they can kind of like show how they grew from it. So like maybe after they'll show some examples how they learned from that loss and did better in another game. So I think that'll be a cool to, to watch. That's to see awesome. how different coaches approach that question. Yeah, and I just want to chime in here and say, uh, uh, just to paint a picture of what it looks like as a coach and maybe as somebody watching, you know, when I first did it, I was really terrified because there's like 80 kids in there. And I was just like, <laughs> oh, my God, this old man is not going to be able to technologically master this process. It was very easy. And basically, people can, you know, if I ask a question, people can write their answers to me. But Greg has this cool system where only if they put it like an exclam after, for their answer, do they is it a sign that they wish to be called on? So you have a number of people uh, interacting with the teacher, 
Uh, but there's a lot of people who are there who, if they don't want to, they don't have to be part of that interaction. And yeah, I feel like it's a huge bonus. And, you know, obviously I think, I think it's obvious that this online presentation is going to continue even after the COVID terror ends because it's a way to reach just so many more people. And what I'm also really hopeful for by doing this transition to the dojo is that by putting it then on the YouTube channel, that these lessons don't just go away, right? That we have them there for posterity. So I just wanted to paint a picture of how I saw at least this yeah. US chess school, yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I think the lessons are great. No, no, go ahead, Greg, go ahead. Well, it's, it's been a tough question because I always wanted to be like, first I was like, just have it private, can't watch it later. If you're not there, you're not gonna mm -hmm. see the lesson. So it kind of like incentivizes students to show up, but, I, I believe this would be better. I, I, I think having the energy behind it of a bunch of people, like organizing it, bands watching, people watching it later, I think on the whole, that would be the best for the program and for chess and for everyone. Everyone's yeah. gonna be very happy. I think people enjoy it. I also wanna mention the students in this class are actually like strong. Like there's some yeah. like junior champions in there, like some yeah. world yeah. youth champions. Like there's a lot of medals. <laughs> In this oh, group. we have multiple, yeah, some classes we have multiple AMs. I mean, not usually, like early on when we first started it, there was like, everybody was excited. And then, you know, when you had a class, when you started to have a class every single day, I think we were overexposing ourselves a little bit too, when they could just show up every single day of the week and have a class. So I like that we're going to kind of make it like two or three times a week and you know, make them special events, following a theme that everyone will kind of get invested and want to see how it goes. Yeah. And something I want to stress too, that I'm really into it is I, you know, way before the internet in the last millennium, I went to the predecessor U.S. chess school of Greg right. way back in the day. And for me as a kid, I, you know, there was no internet back then. It was a very special and important experience that I got to hang out with other kids who were in at least some kind of similar mindset as me, wanted to do similar things. And I was just so trapped and isolated to have that experience of hanging out and having that social interaction with other kids. It was amazing. And even though obviously these kids have more uh, capabilities than I did way back in the day, I still think that the sense of like a common adventure or people where you're gonna meet that like have a lot in common with you is a huge part of the project. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Oh, let me just say one more thing. I know the timer's about to run out with people applying. I love everyone to apply. Um, but <laughs> one of the reasons I'm joining forces with y'all is the amount of energy running this program takes, like for me, and I just don't want to do that any, I don't want to put like the amount of time that I was. So I do have a thing and it says it on the top of the, uh, of the application is that there's a good chance we won't respond if you don't meet like some minimum requirements. Cause otherwise I have to just send so many kind yeah. of like, it's just a lot of work and I just don't want to do it. So, um, Forgive me if you don't get a response. That's all I'm saying. Um, that's reasonable. People can shoot their shot and yeah, <laughs> it's up yeah. to you. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to add one just final thing before we end this. And that is to say that in my life, it's often hard to say, like, if I was going to, if I had a lot of money, where would I give it? But I really do think that the U.S. chess school 
is a solid investment if you're into any kind of charitable giving. You're just investing in the future of these kids. And then eventually we'll also turn into in-person camps. And it mm -hmm. gives them the opportunity for guys like Sam Shankland, all these other people who've been through the system to then impart their knowledge on the next generation. So I really do feel it's a worthy goal for anyone who has any, you know, any spare cash to throw their way. Yeah, totally. I should have had a donation links all set up. You can do that next time. Yeah, we'll have one um, ready for. I'll put the link right away for the streams as well. Yeah, we'll definitely have a donation uh, link ready when when the streams start up. Um, yeah, it's amazing how many of the top players in the U.S. have been through the U.S. Chess School and been to a couple of camps. I think every junior. Every like, junior. I don't think yeah. you can name one top junior that hasn't. Been. Oh, there's one. There's one. There's one I who made it. <laughs> That's funny. There's one who made it on his own. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, everyone would have made it. I mean, I'm not going to take credit for their successes, but um, it's just cool that they've all like kind of been to a class or two or a camp or two, right? Like the in-person camps. Like every like Jeffrey Jean, Savion, Shanklin. Yeah. Burke. Um. Well, cool. Um, let's move on to the the next topic we have, and uh, I think I should throw it to Jesse to introduce this one. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. I think yeah, because let me just say we we've had a lot of disagreements on the dojo about talent and all kinds of other questions, and I think it might have been more of a throwaway comment that I remember Greg making years ago. But I, so I don't think it's necessarily like a big theory. I'm going to let him just give his own intuition on this, but. It stuck with me, this comment that I think, I think he made, I was, you know, we're going to see, but uh, it, 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 it's, a, it's a way to explain how somebody like a weak person like me could start at 12 and then someone strong like Sam could uh, make it from what is starting at com a comparatively later age, like 12, uh, or you could talk about guys like John Fedorowicz who started like 16. Um, in a way to like say, okay, that's how you can do it because you only have something like 10 years. Now, I don't know how much I believe in it, but I'm going to, with that, just throw it over to Greg. So you're saying I'm named 10 years now to get better? Is that, is that the... Yeah, you know, like you can take a break, but okay. essentially your mind has 10, the theory would be that your mind essentially has 10 years, 10 good years to work with it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I believe it and I don't. Um, I think you take a young kid who has been playing one year and is like already up to 1900. And then you take one that's been playing five years and is 1900. And they're the same age. The one who's playing one year is far more potential almost all the time. So like, that's kind of what you're saying, right? Right. Um, but I also don't want to say that people can't get better after 10 years. I, I think you still can. But yeah, the first, you know, it reminds me of like weightlifting and like CrossFit. Like when I started CrossFit, the first year is just like psh, 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 everything flying up. I'm getting stronger like every fuck. Oh, I shouldn't curse. <laughs> <laughs> is this a non-cursing show? It's, uh, it's fine. No worries. Right, I'll try not to. Yeah. I'm getting stronger all the time. And then now it's like impossible. The things I have to do to get stronger is like I have to train twice a day and stuff. It's just like I don't have time for that. And it's probably similar in chess. Like, you can get better at some point. It just gets harder, I think. And I think it's like that in almost all things. Mm -hmm, Probably. Mm -hmm. Like, 
there's just but you know I, you can get better I, I think at everything always right and i was wondering you feel like you've gotten better in the last year or so right well yeah because the covid i mean i had nothing to do with the studies and chess openings and chess and ball and just like so i went from like knowing i, I played some pretty bad openings um and you kind of could see that in my my matches in the gm not an im thing like i, I didn't know what i was doing yet but now I feel like I'm better than my rating at openings. I, I think I started the, the, the lockdown like being kind of like just some pats through plays random stuff. And I feel like I really know a lot. Like, you know, I played Shirov in Title Tuesday, hit him with a novelty in like move 19 or something that I prepared. <laughs> just like, and just random, like it wasn't for him. It was just like in the course of my just general preparation, I just knew this move and he just walks right into it. And then I'm like much better. Um, like that wasn't gonna that wasn't gonna happen six months ago um yeah so, i feel like yeah. i see i see your games on twitter all the time when you have like huge huge prep and like e4 e5 with black and yeah i mean else. i i my is pretty good like I, I and i had this theory i made a video about it like i started kind of just making an outline of my openings and then whenever somebody would play it against me in a blitz game i would delve deeper into it right and so it's funny last title tuesday there's one sharp line like just nobody played it against me in six months and i finally had a game in it and you know i lost because i didn't really know what i was doing and now i know a lot about it <laughs> um and so that just happens like i i keep kind of knocking out um or like kind of like knocking down openings that i didn't quite get to yet and eventually i just know more and more and more um there's still holes for sure but not as many like and, and you know I, I do this thing where every five games i play i study the openings afterwards and it's common these days where four of those fives i don't need to study anything because my opponent just did something stupid mm -hmm. it had nothing to do with me like messing up in the opening or some position i didn't know that i'm ever going to see again so i mean that's nice i mean openings don't count for that much but in blitz it seems to be like 50 to 100 rating points i've gained in terms of my strength so more than 50 but less probably less than 100 but that's really good at my level i think yeah definitely oh who's just is saying that according to andy soltis he thinks that the vast majority of players reach their peak after about eight years from when they start to take chess seriously uh that's so that's pretty close to the 10 year I mean, because I wasn't at my peak after eight years, that's for sure. Oh, well, if it's not true for you, then it must be. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like, I started playing in tournaments when I was, like, nine or something. It, maybe I was 10, but, like, I clearly wasn't at my peak at 18 because I, I wasn't even at IM yet. And even when I made IM, I was much weaker IM than I am now. So. For me, I think it's kind of rings true because I feel like I didn't take chess seriously until I was about, like, 15, 16. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, I am like seven, eight years later or so. Well, and Fabian says we should have a martial theory showdown. I would love to talk about the martial theory. Um, <laughs> because, you know, I had to go further than the, uh, the course, Jan Gustafsson's course. Um, you know, I had to make some decisions as which lines of his are ones that I have to expand on a little bit. And, you know, somebody will play like the Vienna against me and they'll make some move that he doesn't cover in his course. And then it'll, it'll turn into this thing where I have to come up with all these new ideas using the computer to figure it out. 
Um, hey, you're saying you don't like that part? No, no, I do like it. I do like oh, okay. It. But, I mean, I, but the point is, I know more than I have had to like create things outside of that opening repertoire because not everyone plays the moves suggested. You know, you you have to just figure out some stuff. You, it, there always comes a point where you have to figure out something in your own chess. Yeah, um, they're not just just always play the move that you're studied, right? Greg, let me ask about a little bit tying in both the tenure rule and the U.S. chess school. I feel like you're kind of uniquely positioned in the sense that you have seen so many players pass through the school and then some going on to do chess and others, I'm sure, going on to do various other things in their lives. And mm -hmm. I was wondering, like, are there any generalizations or things you've learned out of watching so many people go through that process? Usually, you know when somebody's gonna be really good. Um, like, like, do you have names? Like, what, what, what kind yeah, of early yeah, impressions? I mean, you just can tell. Like, they just they know everything. Like, you know, Jeffrey Zhang is some camp at ten, right? He, I guess a certain one was coaching it, and you know, normal people are like, I, I don't know, in between the lessons, right? He's sitting there on his phone, just I don't know, he's just running through games on his phone, just studying them. Like, he wasn't playing Bug House, he wasn't playing Bullet, he was just. It was just doing, it was like insane, whatever he was doing. I was like, what, are you crazy? <laughs> but I mean, it was clear that he was just like hyper-focused on getting better. Hmm. Um, and just spend like, I wish I knew exactly what it was. I just knew it was, it was kind of a remarkable thing that I'd never seen anyone doing before. Like the kind of dedication he had was kind of like beyond like normal. <laughs> um, so you, you already could tell this kid was going to be amazing because he was in a class of like 16 to 18 year olds. IMs are in the IMs and like FMs for sure, and he was hold more than holding his own with them in terms of like talking about chess. Uh, you know, same for like Christopher Yu and yeah, same Stefano. He went to one camp, but he did manage to beat me in a very famous YouTube video. Uh -huh. You can already tell he was sick, good. Um, I remember that. I'm in that video. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you probably are. <laughs> um, but you also get players that are like a different style. Like actually, I. I had an argument with John Bartholomew. <laughs> I don't know if I should talk about this publicly, but I'm going to do this 10 years later. Because John was like, he was also at this camp as a, as like a assistant coach 10 years ago, a long time ago. And one of the students there was Hans Niemann. And he only got invited to the camp because of the 10-year rule. Because his rating was 1,900, right? And we had like 2,000 to 2,200 kids at that camp. But his parents just point out to me, like, look, he's been playing one year. And he got all the way to 1900 in one year. Or it was almost 2000. It was like 1980 or something. Um, so I looked at his rating history. I'm like, you know what? I think we had one spot left. And a lot of people were asking. And I was just like, you know, that is kind of remarkable progress. Um, so uh, I decided to give him the chance just to see, like, what, what was going on there. Because it was actually, I'd never quite seen anything like it. Uh-huh. Um, now I have. It's a little more common these days. Um, but then at the camp, he, he was different than most young players you would see. Like, just very rambunctious. Um, you know, he has a personality, right? Right, right. Yeah. I don't know if you all know Hans, but like, he's very energetic, but like, like also like 
you you could say i mean he was like nine or something but you could say like mm -hmm. a little undisciplined seeming right but one thing you could tell was like he had this in like hyper competitive attitude that like i'd not quite seen before um like somebody like hikaru had it when he was younger yeah um, and i was telling john like this kid's i think he's gonna be good and john's like i don't know he doesn't seem you know he just seems kind of like you know a little wild mm -hmm. uh, right because these guys grandmaster title recently so yeah actually i'll, I'll give a shout out to uh john donaldson on that because he uh neiman was playing with us at the mechanics team and um he was like our under supposed to be our board four or five whatever it was the old u.s chess league and john put him there and john really believed in him and and i didn't you know i was like i don't know he would and he was annoying and it's it's hard to believe in kids that are annoying let's just be honest well, if you're a coach I mean, you're like i mean it's like i actually liked it yeah he was it was difficult to run a class sometimes when he sometimes when he was in it when he was very young he got much better like, quickly as he got older um but it was for kind of like a good reason he just i don't know his competitive drive was very very high um I, I do suspect that maybe like if he had tempered it a little bit maybe he would have maybe he could have done better I, I don't know but like he's doing really well he's a strong player grandmaster uh and still has room to improve for sure because i, I think his, his potential there's still things that are untapped there right Okay, cool. Kosti, let's move on to the next one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so next topic, uh, what is the most important thing missing for these talented juniors uh, during lockdown? Uh, in, you know, in our opinions, uh, let me let's start with uh, with Greg. I mean, there's only one thing missing, right? In person tournaments. Is there anything else? I think on the, on the whole, though, it's been good for them, like for chess improvement. But I think it's been I mean, good on on the whole for them because they have more time and more absolutely. focus. Yeah, like you know, they can just there's like basically no school. I mean, there is, but like you you can manage your time better, so they can study chess more, and the the online play is taken more seriously. So it's just mm -hmm. I, don't know. I don't know. I have a feeling it's overall a net it's going to be a net positive for everybody in terms of overall chess strength yeah that's an interesting point i'll just say as an anecdote i have a student who plays a lot maybe sunday night fights a lot of times and he was one of these kids that has all kinds of things going on right like ap classes baseball other sports camps all kinds of different things going on and the second COVID hit he was like he was playing chess all the time and yeah. now he's won like seven dojo games in a row and it's starting to be like, oh, we got a monster on our hands. And right, that is just all COVID. It's totally COVID related. And that's it's a worldwide phenomenon because you see it not just in juniors, right? But all kinds of players across the world now are just gotten many of them very intense and serious during this last year. Yeah, actually, uh, maybe a better question would have been like, has, has COVID been good for everyone's chess um but I, I think it really helped in a sense that it, it was kind of like a nice reset it was like okay now you're forced to stay home for the next mm -hmm. like six months and it like causes you to reevaluate like how you spend your time like like yeah do you want to be a better chess player by the end of this uh period i'm sure some have taken advantage quite a bit and are gonna come back 
uh, is being hugely underrated, even more than uh, than usual. No, the trick is don't play in chess tournaments for six months after the lockdown ends, because or after you know things start up, because there's going to be all these kids who are like six hundred points underrated. You got to avoid them. Got to look them cash up, and then you can start playing again. Yeah, you hear that, guys? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna play right away. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just messing around a little bit, but and, you know, another thing is you can track your progress. I think um, chess.com ratings are going to slowly become more legitimized as ratings that matter. Mm -hmm. To me, they matter. That's the only actually rating I care about right now. I, don't, I mean, my own ratings don't move, <laughs> so right, right, right. You know, a sign that I'm improving is when my chess.com rating goes up. Uh, and you know, I use this weird graph that doesn't i don't even pay attention to my current rating i pay attention to my like my average over the last 500 games or so but you know it's holding steady it's just like before the lockdown i was like struggling to get above 2600 whenever i would get above 2600 i would be pretty happy and i would usually drop like back down and now my average over the last 800 games is 2680 so that's my performance so it's like a big difference yeah. Um, but to get even further, I can tell would require like a extra. I probably have to get better at chess, <laughs> and not just opening to this point, like actual chess, which is so difficult. <laughs> well, one um, of the things, Greg, that I think you're an interesting player in this regard, and I think a lot of the kids actually are yeah. doing this too, is that you, in my mind. And you can correct me. Uh, you have always been more of a blitz player and have enjoyed that part of the game more than, you know, standards, time control stuff. And I ask about it because a lot of the kids I feel come out, let's say we start coming out and playing over the board, they are all, uh, their minds have been rewired to play mostly blitz and they have a hard time going slow. That'll be fine. <laughs> If you look at the kids who are the top blitz players, they're all GMs. They're all like really good at chess. Mm. There's, there's such a clear correlation. I mean, there are some exceptions, but you know, Hans Niemann's got his rating up. Like he started playing 28, 2900 level. It's like, whoa, he's just some IM. But you know, as soon as he plays in tournaments, bang, gets the GM norm like right away. Mm -hmm. Like it's clear he's just stronger than his rating. He just needed to play. He would get it. So, do you think blitz is like a legitimate way of improving your chess, like playing a lot, analyzing the games, or do you think it's me, just they just have so much talent that like they could literally um, do anything? Probably that. I don't know about analyzing the games. I mean, because it's like three minute chess, right? Like analyzing yeah, mm -hmm. moments in the openings, like where they will actually repeat, or like key kind of like thinking mistakes that you make, like where your instincts are kind of like going the wrong direction it's usually the captures where you just kind of capture something you shouldn't and it's just, you don't even consider not capturing it mm. and this happened to me i wish i could show a chessboard because this stuff happens to me and i i have examples off the top of my head um and you kind of like train your brain hopefully to like not think of capturing things so quickly or, or trading so quickly um, I think, yeah, I think Blitz can help. I mean, I take it serious. I think I take it more seriously than most people because of the way I study my games after, especially my openings. I don't think almost nobody does that, I think. Like 1% or less of all players. So, you know, I think if you put, if you take it really seriously, I do believe it can make you better. Um, 
Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. No, I mean, I think, uh, you know, I, the opinions always range. People like feeling like Blitz is um, not necessarily hurtful, but it, yeah, it uses up time that you could be spending playing classical chess or like looking at a game over the board, like, you know, kind of more, let's say, traditional forms of, of improvement. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I get the feeling that a lot of these kids they also do the over the board stuff. It's just that then they like, they play three hours of blitz every day on top of that. So it's not like they're just doing blitz. They're doing all the important stuff too. And then just getting like additional practice. I mean, I, I know that's obviously Naka did, but like Magnus was on ICC like hours and hours a day in addition to his like his regular, yeah, studying. He spent his whole childhood playing bullet online. Like, you know, like how much can you see the best players in the world as being blitz, blitz addicts? their whole life and then stay that Blitz doesn't help. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. I feel like it's it's coaches who just kind of want to, like, tell the parents, like, don't do this thing. It's bad for them. But, like, every <laughs> top player does it. So, like, mm-hmm. I think, you know, you have to have some discipline about it, maybe. But <laughs> um, I, I just feel like the evidence is pretty strong that it's not harmful. Well, one reason that I brought it up is I really feel like First of all, even before this happened, you were the one really to put uh, with the U.S. first U.S. Chess League and then the Pro Chess League kind of put quick chess on the map of being something that's really interesting for the fans. And now in COVID times, especially with the kids, I feel like and they're the generation that's going to decide what chess ultimately is, right, what actual chess is. And um, like you said, with you only thinking of say the chess.com rating as the most important or the only rating uh, for them, I think increasingly, right? Like they don't, I'm just some old grandpa who's talking about over the board and they're like, what is that? Why are we just playing online all the time? You know, and I think for them, right? It is like the chess, whether it's blitz or, you know, 15 minutes or whatever it is, that's just what it is now for them. Yeah. I mean, I think COVID's, I think before that, they're all very serious over-the-board players. You know, just, they can't play so easily now. If you think about all the top talent, you know, they had the Junior Speed Chess Championship on chess.com. You had all the best young players in the world playing that. They're all great over-the-board players. You know, Simon's going to be, you know, a very good chance to be, I don't know, what do we think? He's going to be top 10 in the world someday, maybe. Hmm. Probably top 10. We could play the could 2700 that. game with you. <laughs> See which players <laughs> Well, maybe we move on to next question because that will fit in with the 2700 game. We'll play the 2700 game. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Um, let's go on then. We talked about this a little bit already, but um, yeah, I, I remember Greg having like, I feel like he had specific things that um, kind of mentioned before, but what are the, the hallmarks of talent? And then the million dollar question, like how much can can hard work and motivation make up for that? You know, when, when we're talking about someone reaching their their peak rating or or so. I think you want to be world champion. You have to have an insane amount of talent and also hard work. You need it all. Right? Um, but if you just want to reach your potential, is that what you're asking? Um, yeah, or if we take like two players and one of them is clearly more talented than, than the other, is that just you know, they're going to go further no matter what, or is there a lot that hard work can... Yeah, there's a lot of, I mean, like, they might just get not play that much, or they might, you know, it's common that young kids just 
kind of just stopped taking trips seriously for various reasons. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, then let's. Um, how about the first part of the question? Like, what do you kind of notice as the similarities between, like, the students in the U.S. chess school, uh, or these players that, like, yeah, you see them when they're young and you just know that they're gonna be super strong. Like Jeffrey Zhang, I think Sevian was uh, also really apparent. Just know a lot about chess history. It's very common. It's not. It's not always. Some of them don't, but the it's like like Robson and, and Shang and, and I think Sefian. I only saw him that one time, but it seemed like he knew a lot too. Um, I'm forgetting some obvious ones too. They just knew everything. But you know, they just recognize positions from famous games, and other people don't. It's just like it's really it's really constant. You know, like if somebody's recognizing famous positions, like very consistently they all so frequently happen to be one of the best kids in the like, class in the country um mm -hmm. just because it showed i think the effort that they put into chess and just you know carlton's like the best in the world at that he knows every he knows so much about like the, the historic games and players so it, it just shows the how hard the work it, it doesn't show talent though it shows how much work ethic the kid has had because it shows that they actually did this work and that they cared about it. They saw this whole game. They're like, oh, I need to actually know who this is because it contributes to my understanding of chess or something. It's like it was so important to them that they stored it away in their brain somewhere. Hmm. Yeah, I, I heard you say this before, and it makes a lot of sense. To me, it's like an interest thing. Like when a student is really interested in the game, they're just like curious about it and they want to know like, like what's this position what's the best move here or what would happen if this happened they're just like really invested in like analyzing the game and then yeah they always want to hear about like the top players and like oh did he find the combination or like you know did he did he win this game they're like very yeah just kind of interested in the whole history and and culture around chess which maybe it's just like an indicator of, of other things but like yeah it always seems like these types of students are going to be doing more reading and more work on the outside and it won't even feel like work to them to them it's like they're just enjoying the process of like well like christopher you i think is a great example the kid just just loves solving puzzles i mean it's yeah, just so much fun for him about, mm -hmm. about him like the first camp he went to it was an all-star camp okay it was 16 kids at that camp i don't remember who else was there but a lot of other kids who were very very talented like very talented and you could tell and he was just he was just like another one of the bunch, like another nine-year-old. Maybe he was 2000, maybe he wasn't. Like, I don't remember. But like, there's nothing about his name or rating that like would make you think that he's better than these other kids. I, you know, I'm, I'm not saying he was. Like, there's other good kids in that camp for sure. But I could just, you could just tell. You could just tell that this kid was like going to be really, really good. Um, and it was something about like, first of all, okay, this is. I, mean, I feel bad about this, but like sometimes we have like these blitz tournaments or these games and a kid loses and they're just heartbroken. Like they're just like, they can't, you can just tell they're just like beside themselves. They can't be consoled. And that's usually a good sign. <laughs> and, usually uh -huh. just, and, and you know, I remember that happening to him once and like other, other kids who were like really great. Like they just, they take losses really hard at a young age, like really abnormally hard. Um, but it's just because they, it's, it's not because like anyone's going to you know, scream at them or anything. They just really want to win. 
like so bad. Yeah, I, I for another kid who is um, it comes through two camps. Who has like a great historical knowledge at a really young age is uh, Abimanyu. Mm. He was actually one of the youngest kids. I mean, he's going to be a great chess player, of course. Um, but he was one of the youngest campers to ever come to that camp. I think he was eight his first camp, and like when he was like nine, I don't even know if he made one in the when he was ten. He just knew the game, like he knew positions. <laughs> he just, and, yeah, and he's very impressive. Most kids don't like kids who are really good at chess. Uh, they just often don't know them. However, I will say, and this is important, there has been a great rise in the ability of and the ability of coaches worldwide and in the USA. And so, and there's been a, a rise in kind of like the information that's out there is that more kids know that stuff than ever before. Like it used to be a kid would know something and be like, wow, you're you know educated about chess history. And now it's just like kind of, it's not as surprising anymore. Um, they'll just recognize some game and it happens a lot more frequently. It used to be just one kid in our camp would recognize a game, and now it's just like, just a lot more. So I think it's just our chess culture is growing. Coaches are doing a good job. You know, people like Chess Dojo, educating yeah. the math. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, one thing I think is so interesting about your experience is you've had so many of these kids come through. And, um, you know, my as a coach one of my formative moments was uh being leading a camp with christopher you when he was five five wow. yeah it was at berkeley chess school and he was this this little kid and there was you know it was a there was all kinds of ranges in that camp and um we were doing made in twos and it was just like bam 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 pretty hard made in twos and he would solve it way faster than the other kids very quickly and i was like oh this is this if you want to talk about like what talent is right uh the, that to me was like oh i put my finger on it right there you know because i like like the kid had a lot of chess behind him when he was there he was only five years old i mean my daughter is going to be five pretty soon she doesn't have any chess <laughs> no no not there's not that much chess before five i'll tell you that as a parent you know so it was like, yeah, that was like really amazing. And you've seen so many people come through that system. So it's yeah, just, yeah. people are, they are just like, they're 2100, 2200, and they're never going to make IM. Even though they could, they have the potential to, but it's just not going to happen for whatever reason. And that's like, I don't know about 80%, but the large majority are just kids with immense talent, you know, varying degrees of talent, I would guess, who are just not going to quite do the things they need to do, you know? So we're going to ask you the 2700 question, which is like, who do you think is going to make it? But let me ask you first, are, are there notable instances of players that came through your system that you got wrong? I.e. either they didn't make it or they did, and you were just wrong about it. Well, well, okay. I usually am not going to say somebody's not going to make it because like almost everyone has um, let's just say making it as becoming a grandmaster. Sure. Um, okay. You know, like a lot of kids didn't, but it's, it's like their decision to just not focus more. Maybe. Um, I, like I think of the kids should be a GM and instead they're like an IM or like a 2,500 USCF player. Like that, that's pretty good anyway. Like they did pretty good at chess. Um, I've been wrong. I mean, like, like a, a great example of somebody I was wrong about 
is like there was this one kid i was just like sure he's gonna be a grandmaster and maybe he still will but he just kind of focused it. like he got to he made it college when he was like 14 you know he's like working with this like super he works for google now uh, I, I am with like a norm or two and it's just like okay did i really get it wrong right right <laughs> I don't know. Um, but I was sure, like, this kid was going to be, like, one of the, like, really top players in the country. Um, right. But I think right. he just, you know, he decided to focus on something else. Yeah. There's several of those kids, for sure. Yeah. I think... Uh, I, not as many as... Like, he's one in particular that really stood out to me is like, you know, somebody who would have been... You know, he could be one of the playing the U.S. championship every year, I feel like, if they just completely stuck to chess. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, now here's a funny thing. I'll lead into your 27 and a question. Basically, we had Sam on the show. We asked about various people making 2,700. <laughs> and he was like, my default answer is that no, they're not going to make 2,700, <laughs> which was hilarious. Yeah. But it has a reasonable point that like 2,700 is so hard to make that basically in general, you're not going to make. So we'll throw it to you. Who is going to make 2700? Well, let's, okay, let's, um, I work with some of these kids, right? So like, I mean, I'm going to have to be very political in my answers. Okay. Um, but 27, like I'm not 2700, so I'm not a big expert on what it takes to become 2700. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but clearly if you're 20, like if you're under 2500 and you're like 16 already, your chances are low. Just, just mathematically, like that's just the way it is. Um, right. Like if you're 2400 feet a and you're 16 or 17 you're probably you will have you maybe you can do it but you're gonna have to like devote a lot of your life to chess and kind of stop everything else maybe so i'm just gonna make a blanket statement <laughs> about uh -huh. that um it doesn't mean these people aren't super talented it just means there's 12 year olds who have the same rating um, it's hard to compete with them. Yeah, well, maybe um, rather than, let's say, naming a bunch of names, saying yes or no, are there any players that you expect to make 2,700? Like, if you had to, who are the most likely? You know, who are the, yeah, so, like, even when somebody has that clear potential, like, you never know, right? Like, you, you don't know for sure. There's so many things that go wrong. Um, but, I, I mean, people with clearly good chances are Christopher. <laughs> doesn't mean he's going to do it, but mm -hmm. chances are solid, right? You know? Yeah. Um, Abhimanyu Mishra. Um, there's a kid, he's less known, but I think he's pretty talented. Like, 2,700 is so high. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, this kid, Ryo Chen, I think is really, you know, yeah. on it, but like, you know, Right. Uh, um, we got a question out for you. What What about ropes and what do you think about ropes? Well, what, what's this peak? Twenty six eighty, something mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. But now it's much lower. Or no, I think he's very close to his peak actually. All right, let me check. Let me check his rating. Well, uh, Greg is checking that in two thousand seven. I'll just say that I thought ropes was the next thing, and he's mm -hmm. obviously an amazing player but it just shows how hard it is to make 2700 yeah exactly i mean like rob robson is it robson not robson either way like the kid yeah. is super talented right so like all these other kids but like how can i you know like if robson didn't get there yet like even if he 
because Robinson is very outrageously talented, but I didn't have much to compare him with because he was coming to my camps early on when that, that kind of stuff wasn't normal. Like, same for Narodisky, who was in some of those camps. Right. So it's just like, you know, maybe he'll make it, but, you know, still still hard for Robson. Right. Um, I, I don't know if, if you had to bet whether he will or not, what's the right side. I mean, if he's taking chess super seriously still, which I think he is, probably yes, because you could just go 2,700 and drop back down, and then at least you get your, you win the bet. Like, he doesn't have to be that level consistently. Is that how the bet works? Do you just have to get there once? Yeah, you just have to make there once, oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's hard, though, but like, he's, he's, he's so good, too. It's, it's difficult. So like okay. when I'm naming these kids, I'm saying like a kid where like maybe there's a tw at least a ten percent chance that they can do it, right? Like based yeah. on like the resume. Uh, other kids have chances too, like two, to, you know, if you just, I don't know, some percentage chances. But I'm saying at least ten percent for the for the kids I'm naming. <laughs> no, maybe it's just higher. fun. You know, we'll we'll look back on this later and see like you know if if, if these names, um, you know, if they kind of lived up to their their so-called potential. I think yeah, everyone you mentioned definitely has, has as far as anyone goes, they have decent chances. There's other kids, too, that have really yeah. been impressing me. I, I, I just never seen them in person. Like a, a kid, Andy Woodward, I think is his name. He's like 2,200, 11-year-old. Mm. Uh, I mean, you know, he knows a lot. He's in all the classes. There, there's others that I'm probably not naming who have been very impressive. Um, but 2,700 is just an absurd behind number, right? Yeah. Like Sevian is what's his rating? Well, he'd be the next one to ask you about. He's around twenty six eighty two. Oh, is he? Oh, if he's twenty six eighty, O'Brien. He's younger than me. So I'm checking his ratings. Cool. Cool. All right, Kosi, let's do the next one. Yeah, let's go to uh, the next topic. So Greg has also, at this point, witnessed a lot of coaches through the U.S. Chess School. I think you've had tons of like GM, super GMs. Um, and like super IM coaches as well. Uh, what would you say, Greg, are some of the most important qualities uh, of a good coach? You know, I'm not, I'm not so sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can tell you what's not. Sure. I mean, I, I think one thing is like to be flexible, realize that every individual is different. Um, what works for some, some people is not going to work for others. You know, it's a good story about Kasparov who, when he, when he went to work with Magnus, like, Kasparov has this intensity about him. Like, this, he's just like a super intense guy, and he has a way of approaching chess. And he was trying to, you know, work with Magnus when he was younger, and he kind of pushed that intensity on him. That's not how Magnus is, right? So, like, it kind of turned Magnus off. I think. He was just like, you know, this guy's not for me. This type of energy is not what I need to get better. Um, so I think for some people, Kasparov's approach would be really good. Some it wouldn't. Um, so you, you you either need a coach who's very flexible or who just, I guess, picks the students who fit best with their personality. Mm. Um, but I'm really not sure, you know, like what? It's, it's it's a tough question like Dvoretsky great coach but like not all of his students were amazing some were some weren't I think 90% of it is in the student's hands most of the time maybe 80% um, Greg just a little history here 
yeah. how long have you been doing the U.S. Chess School, and did you get to do something similar when you were a kid? I did not when I was a kid. Well, not 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 quite the same. I, I, the reason I formed the camp in the program in 2006 is because I wished I had something like that when I was a kid. I was like, let's just make it. That way right, everyone right, else right. will have it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, what, what makes a good chess coach? It's, it's like really everyone has different needs. And you, you see, like, I, I think when you see a coach and all of their students play like the same openings is probably a bad sign because it means that they're not kind of being flexible to what their students need. Yeah, I'm with you there. Do you think it's possible to measure in any way? I, I don't. I think what you see often is the top kids gravitate to like really high rated coaches who sometimes they're good, sometimes I mean, they're all going to be fine, right? Like, you're never going to have, like, a bad experience training with some, like, 2,600 grandmaster, right? You're going to learn something almost all the time. Um, so some kids are just going to, like, pick up information like a sponge, and it just doesn't really <laughs> doesn't really matter, I think. Mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to see if what I'm saying makes sense. I'm like, before, because I'm saying a lot of things that are kind of, slightly dismissive of a coach's role like i think the coach because like everyone's good like there's a lot of players who are really talented at a super young age and all you need is like that maybe that five percent extra edge to become super great and maybe a coach can give you that uh, and but like do we think magnus is where he is because he had the right coaching i don't I know think... Well, actually, let me give my two, I'll give my two cents on this, and it has to do with Magnus. Like, I think a lot of what the coach does, especially now, and what I mean by now in difference to when I was a kid, is there's so much information out there that somebody can consume online, is that what a coach can do is structure a kid's work schedule and help them motivate to get a certain, like, schedule done or a certain routine done mm -hmm. and what magnus had that was essentially a coach was his dad uh you know doing all kinds of behind the scenes organization of the kid's life and i think it's just hard for kids to organize you know and adults too i do a lot of adult teaching and you know uh if you're tired at the end of the day and then just kind of like do consume let's call it soft chess content online you're not gonna you're not gonna do it it has to be uh challenges that do challenge you push you to some kind of limit right mm -hmm. and there's a lot of chess content that is not going to push you and it's very easy well, to consume that content so in my i'll just put it out there for myself is a good coach needs to motivate and structure a student's experience yeah, I mean, to be honest, like, even though I run the U.S. chess school and I've coached some camps, I haven't, I don't coach most of them at this point. I'm kind of lazy these days. Uh -huh. So the other coaches, it's not like, because I, I know I don't really have the time and energy to, to be like a great coach for some talented kid. Like, it's too much responsibility for me right now, because I mm -hmm. think it, it really is a, it's a lot of responsibility. Yeah. Be somebody's coach. Um if you want to do the best job, 
and you know, I don't think that I, I don't think I'm the best coach for anyone right now. <laughs> so anyone asks me, I'm just like, eh. <laughs> um, but if I, if I wanted to be, if it was like my job, uh-huh. I think I could be really good at it. But you know, you need to be really organized. And like you said, um, kind of directing the student what to do and what not to do, analyzing their games properly, like figuring, like seeing their games and coming up with a, I don't know, like a structure of how to analyze them and pinpoint their errors, I think. Right, right. Good. Absolutely. Adding them on what openings make sense, which ones don't. Yeah. I want to add real quick on, um, on Magnus, like I read uh, his coach's book, uh, Agnes Stein, uh, Wonder Boy, where mm-hmm. Agnes Stein talks about like what it was like to train Magnus growing up. And yeah, to me, it feels like, okay, clearly he had this super talent. He has, he has this like amazing memory. Um, and I mean, just a lot of brain power. Um, but I think, yeah, his, his coaching growing up was just very like, it must have fit perfectly. Like Agnes Stein just seems like such a nice guy, such a good like role model. Like, yeah. uh, you know, probably play like soccer with him a lot, taught him a lot about like competition and, and all kinds of things, you know, probably beyond mm-hmm. chess. Um, and yeah, I think maybe just having that positive role model who's like always pushing you, giving you the right books to read, like, oh, you should read Capablanca. You know, the guy, the guy was a genius. Like, you know, this is where you'll learn like deep chess strategy. And then as a kid, you absorb that. And if you really believe in your coach, you know, you'll sit there reading for, for hours on end, just super, super interested in, in, in chess and getting a lot better. I assume because that's essentially your two cents. But I would love to hear more about what you think makes a good chess coach, especially as you are the only mm-hmm. one here who is an official FIDE trainer. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> um, well, I think like Greg was saying, it's important for a coach to adapt to their students um and yeah like taking a real like look at their games and trying to understand exactly what's going on i don't even think it's that hard for experienced players if you just kind of engage with the game just put effort like try to understand like what the student was thinking what they're not getting what they're messing up and then if you think about their games as a kind of broader in a broader context a lot of times you'll you'll just see very obvious patterns and, and things that the student needs to work on. Um, so it's just a matter of motivating them to really to do the work. I think that that's probably just the toughest part is uh, finding a way to to get them to to study effectively and do a lot and, and actually like push themselves during their training to, to really like uh, stretch themselves and improve their skills. Well, we're talking about different things because we're talking like I'm often thinking about kids where that's not an issue. They're, they don't need help being pushed, right? Like they just want to consume chess all the time. Um, but I assume there is other. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess you often coach people where maybe their parents are pushing them to play, and they have to find some motive. You have to like make them want to study more or something. I don't, I don't know. I've had that happen when I was younger, where like kids. They just didn't understand. Like they wanted to be good, they wanted to play, but they didn't understand how much work kids or actually other kids are actually putting in. And it was a lot more than they realized. Yeah, no, I I, I come across that a lot. Like the kid likes chess, and you know mm-hmm. they 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 love it, but um, right, they don't realize that it takes like studying and doing things that they don't necessarily find fun, but are just going to be useful. Um, and yeah, no, it definitely takes effort to to get them to do it yeah 
And when I think about pushing, I mean, as a coach, I think it's uh, not necessarily being like, all right, son, you need to do this. <laughs> but like, um, you need to turn the student on to new things that are beyond their current like sense of what chess is, you know, to expand their view of what is possible in the game of chess. And that is like, it's just a beautiful thing, right? It's opening up these new horizons when then all of a sudden the game seems much bigger than it did at the beginning of the lesson. Yeah. That that encourages, you know, just a searching of, of the chess board. Um, and to that end, I guess one of the prejudices I have about coaches is that if they're not themselves working on their own game, at least in some measure, they're not good. They're, they will be less good as coaches because the, the kind of infectiousness of their enthusiasm for the game will be lessened if they're not personally involved in it. You know, they don't have their own investment in it. Even if like there's someone like, you know, who's older like me, who's not going to be world champion or whatever, anything someday, you know, as, as yeah. long as they're just somehow personally involved in it. Can I make one more thing? Like, yeah. I do want to make one more point. At the scholastic level, when kids are lower rated, and we're not talking about trying to make like world-class talents, I do think coaches do matter a lot because I've seen, like, you know, Elizabeth Spiegel at IS318. Right, right. I mean, she's just so good at it. And, like, her kids are always so good. And all the other schools, the kids are never that. You know, it just doesn't... <laughs> you can see the difference among right. or across schools. Like, some could her schools just they make 1800 after 1900 from nothing in two years constantly just just mm -hmm. random kids two three years later they they graduate as an 1800 to 2000 player um and that's where it seems measurable to me it's like oh yeah. this is like a track but, you know the problem is you also have a problem there too is that they also gain being around other 1800s right so like when she first started there wasn't the other strong kids to help those kids get better so Oh. Right. Uh, but she's definitely like very good at um clearly. <laughs> and I think it's much harder when you're talking about kids who are already super talented and motivated because you don't know, maybe they would have just got good with any coach. Like they're you know, Joel Benjamin gave a talk on US chess online. I, I don't know what it's called, but he gave a like a podcast thing. Yeah, <laughs> and, interview. Uh, I saw that. <laughs> called um and at the end of it he starts talking about john burke how he coached him but he was like mm. you know it didn't matter who coached this kid he was going to be a grandmaster no matter what uh, and there's a lot of kids like that um, but i guess one is like what level of grandmaster I, I i don't know how to how to measure it or... but the point is every kid will gain everybody who's self-motivated really wants to get better chess they're going to gain something talking a lot about chess with somebody who's much stronger and more experienced with than them so it's just a, a question of degree, I guess. Hmm. Yeah. But very hard to measure, very hard. Interesting. All right, Kosti, let's wrap this up with this final question. Yeah, final question. Yeah. We don't have to spend the whole uh, 10 minutes on it, but it would, just curious to hear your thoughts, Greg, on how yeah. you would approach uh, the show Ultimate Sensei they just wrapped up this morning um, as a coach, just to give you and everyone else a brief rundown. It's like, it's a six week competition um, I think the next season will be eight weeks. 
at the beginning of the season, the co the four coaches, they watch the students play, you know, this rapid and blitz tournament. Then they draft their students one by one and work with them over the course of, you know, six to eight weeks uh, before the final knockout tournament. So it's not a lot of time to make improvement, but you can obviously get get some stuff done. Is there anything in specific you would do to help, uh, let's say, average club player 16, 1800 improve the most in that range? Oh, um, I thought you were going to ask me how I would help myself in the competition as a coach. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, as a coach, you would be you would be coaching them, right? Well, yeah, but number one is the draft. Like, you have to do all crazy amounts of research, look at their games, look at their ratings. You know, I don't know if the coaches did that, but you would try to draft the two best players, whoever they are. <laughs> don't, like, just watch this one tournament. And then, uh, I mean, maybe you didn't give them much time. I don't know. But mm -hmm. I would be doing a lot of research to try to get the players who are objectively the best you know look at usually looking at like their online blitz ratings and puzzle rush you know stuff like that might might help but then okay then once you let's just say you get two random people you know like <laughs> <laughs> um so then what, what is the goal what's the final like measure of who wins uh basically it turns into a uh at least for the first season what we did was a knockout tournament uh like two Two game rapid matches followed by Blitz uh, and Armageddon tiebreak. What's the time control? Uh, Fifteen plus five. Kind of random. Um, <laughs> huh. I mean, that's a very specialized time control, right? And it's only six weeks. It's hard to get much better at chess. So I feel like focusing a lot on making intuitive decisions quickly would be helpful. <laughs> Mm -hmm. um and it's all comes down to this round robin everyone qualifies for it um like all eight players get to play in this i'm sorry not round robin the knockout tournament yeah that's right once the eight players are set then yeah they all play everything before is just kind of like for show and then there's this one event where you just have to train them to be better at 15 plus five <laughs> <laughs> Right. Sorry, I'm being very pragmatic about it. Um, <laughs> no, that's why I thought it'd be a good question like, for you because tournament no longer relevant, you know. Um, but what's the blitz tiebreak? Because a lot of matches blitz is uh, three plus two. Three plus two, and it's two game match then too. Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, uh, let me ask you: Were there any players who were like kind of having trouble with the time control and getting in time trouble a lot? Yeah, there was. Um, a few who would get into time trouble. One, uh, this uh, this guy Michael, who I think was a really good player, but in most of his games, yeah, it would be like down to ten seconds and playing on the increment. Okay, so like for somebody like that, probably all the chess stuff you teach him is completely irrelevant, and you just figure out a way to not get in time trouble for six weeks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, for somebody who specifically has that problem, because you can't win rapid games and you're constantly low on time especially at a lower level um so you would yeah. focus on on like their main weakness in that case well definitely if it's they constantly get into time trouble i mean most players are not good at a rapid time control right so i feel like there's gonna be a lot of people who have this problem yeah Thinking, thinking. You know, yeah. it's so much depends on the makeup of the player, too. Right. A any thoughts on, like, 
I mean, the, I think the typical question is always like, how much should you focus on like opening preparation versus like tactical solving and being in good calculation form? Like what, where would you put the emphasis there? Hmm. Well, let me ask you what the opening preparation was, were all the study sessions live? Like... They were live, but we had a kind of gentleman's rule that the players weren't allowed to watch each other's streams. Okay. Um, yeah. God, that's a good question. <laughs> it, it, even that depends. It depends like what type of openings the opponents are playing, how predictable their openings are. Um, you know, because how much better can you get a chess, an actual chess in six weeks, right? It's not that easy. You can get better, but like, it's a short time. So opening preparation is at least something very concrete that if somebody is predictable, you can maybe get them like an advantageous position. Definitely teaching them like clock management and stuff like that is something you can teach in six weeks. But you, it's hard. I don't know. Can you teach somebody to just be better at tactics in six weeks? Maybe like a little bit, which which helps, I guess. Yeah, we saw that overall the player's form was better. Like the initial tournament, uh, I think there was like a blunder of a piece like at least once per game or something or every other game. Was that rapid too, the initial tournament? Yeah, that was the same time control, 15-5. I just want to say right now, if I was a coach, my, I would have my team with one. <laughs> I'll just come out right now. Um, I'm so sorry I wasn't a coach. <laughs> no, that's okay. No, no evidence to back it up. Well, happily have you on if you have the the time for it. We're already doing uh, future hey, seasons. I'm really, it's amazing how I can do anything while being as lazy as I am. <laughs> David's I very upset that you said you would have won. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> David's very upset that he said. Oh, easy, easy to one. Because, like, I even looked at the, um, I remember looking at the draft, and I was really curious, like, what, what, who, what was the draft order? It was uh, chosen at random, and then the coaches who, would. That pick in, yeah. Like, what was the first pick? I know this M. Fabian was the first pick. Mm, yeah, Mitch was number one. Uh, Kimmy, the eventual winner, was number two. She ultimately oh, proved wow. to be People the... very correctly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, she was, I think, clearly the, the strongest player. She won every event, actually. Um, and uh, let's see. Third pick was... Um... I mean, past that, the, the two finalists were the first two picks, which shows that... Yeah. It wouldn't have been as easy to well. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really competitive about weird things, so it would be a fun <laughs> thing to try and win. Yeah. Were the were the semifinal matches close and competitive? Very. Yeah, the third place match went to Armageddon. Not the third place though. I mean, like the the Mitch and Kimmy. Did they make oh, the, it to the final easily, or was there like some bumps in the road? Um, I would say Mitch's match was definitely tough. He had to beat uh, Max, aka Chess Gains, in the semifinal, yeah. and that wasn't that certainly wasn't easy. Uh, I, I mean, I don't think any of the matches were particularly easy, but they were certainly like favorites going in. Do you know what I would do to spice it up a little bit? Just because, like, maybe have like some comp, like some challenges early in the um. 
early in the season where it gives you some kind of advantage in the, the knockout phase, like, I don't know, you get, like, the white pieces and the blitz and... I, I don't know. I don't know how to do it. Because it's really only measuring your skill at rapid chess, right? Like yeah. All the other stuff Actually, we, we had some events. So we had, like, this... Um, we had a blitz tournament and then uh, uh, this puzzle competition. And yeah. the... The prize for that was the top seeding in the final knockout bracket. So they got to earn their top four seeds. And then the top four seeds, they got to choose their color for the first oh. game of the rapid. Oh, you got me excited. I thought you were going to say something else. I thought you were going to say they get to choose their opponent, which is much more exciting. I was thinking about <laughs> that because I really like that. But I, I just think it's so awkward because then they are like, I don't know. I, I think it's awkward to let them, <laughs> let them choose their own opponent. Well, I mean... Because I feel like I want to make these these contests matter as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Well, I think they did. How did she? She won six and zero through all of her. Yeah, I think she just, she won all her games. Yeah. I, you know, if I'm not mistaken, she's the only member of the tournament who's in the U.S. Chess School and in our program. Oh. <laughs> there you go. How yeah. about that? <laughs> huh. Well, before we finish, we should... I want to say how cool that event was. Um, oh, I love the idea. I love the concept. You And you're going to make it eight weeks next time, you said? The next one's going to be eight weeks, yeah. Just to who's see what it's like be a little longer. We know who's going to be in it? We, the, we don't have the coaches yet, but it's going to be the 14 to 1600 rating range. So it's going to be a little lower <gasps> this time. A little bit more volatile. Yeah, I think it'll be a lot of fun. Can I ask you this? Will there be any young kids, or will it be mostly like people in the, or at least like sixteen? Uh, I think it'll mostly be uh, older players. All right, that's a good idea. Cause... Yeah, youngsters are dangerous. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> yeah, we. I mean, we like having players who um, maybe even are streamers themselves, or are like really invested in improving. Um, yeah, I think I think those are always the those are always the most motivated players and the most fun to, to track. I think. So Kimmy, was her opening repertoire pretty static, or did she, was she able to like play anything? Dutch, uh, Dutch was, was white and black. Yeah, she was playing f four. That wasn't what she was playing throughout the whole event. I think in the blitz, she was playing like e four and, and other stuff. Um, but what people were preparing like, for her Dutch in the for the final. You played the bird and the Dutch, basically. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that was a surprise for her opponents. What would she do after e five? On on one f four. It's a good question. I'm, I mean, I'm hypothetically preparing. What would I have done? I mean, she might go e four there. I mean, David was her coach. Um, or maybe ready, ready to crush the king's game. <laughs> or maybe she she just takes I don't know. Yeah, Mitch says she uh, only people play d five. That's a good question though. Hmm. Yeah, I mean that's what d five is like. You know, white's doing okay, right? Why didn't Mitch play e five? You're ready for the king's gambit, Mitch. I'm sure. Yeah, what's going on, Mitch? <laughs> what's going on, Mitch. Yeah, because I think if you're if you're ready, I mean, Fromm's gambit actually goes for white. Probably not. Right? Mitch got a great position, honestly. He had a great position, then he played rook okay. a7. 
I want to see the game. We're gonna talk, we're gonna, we're gonna talk about that a little later. This Rook A7 move. <laughs> Is there no way to get a board up? Uh, we're gonna, we're we're about to go into. You you could join us if you want. We're gonna go to. Uh, I like looking at games. We're gonna go Sunday night fights pretty soon. You could join us for Sunday night fights. You could be a guest. <laughs> Uh, we just do commentary on uh, dojo games. They're like classical games. Um, right. I want to see this the final the final two games. Uh, sure. Sure thing. Yeah, we yeah. can. Um, well, I think we'll wrap up this show, but then we'll we'll come back and we'll we'll have a board and everything, and we can we can go through the final games. I mean, we'll have we'll have plenty of time. Sounds amazing. And Kosu, why don't, as we wrap up here, let's give a final shout out. So the U.S. Chess School is going to be covered here on the dojo. We're going to broadcast it, and then we're going to put the videos on our YouTube channel. And Kosu, maybe just announce what are the first two classes that are going to be live with us here. Yeah, we'll, we'll have all this info up on Twitter, uh, I think, later today and Discord as well. But first two classes are going to be this Tuesday, November 10th. Uh, 7 p.m. Eastern with I am Casa Corley, and then this Friday, November 13th, also 7 p.m. Eastern with uh, Grandmaster Hans uh, Neiman. Uh, so that's coming up this this coming week. Now be on this channel. Cool. Super excited. Yeah. Yeah, very exciting. Uh, thanks, Greg, for for joining us. This was uh, this was great. Thank you. And uh, we'll be back, guys, in a little bit for uh, for Sunday Night Fights. Cool.